22 last week, and so there's a, we're going to actually pick up in uh, uh, Genesis uh, 21, uh, starting at verse uh, 22. So I'm just going to read, there's a, there's a piece here where Abraham meets up with Abimelech, and if you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a whole chapter on Abraham and Abimelech, and so Abimelech comes back into the picture here, and uh, when I was preparing for last week, uh, because it was the birth of Isaac, it didn't seem like it fit, and to be honest with you, when I first thought about it, I didn't think it really fit with this week either, but it turns out that I was uh, wrong. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's read through this section on Abimelech, and then we'll come back and talk about it. It says, it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Uh, Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. Whoops. I don't want that to come up now. And Abraham said, I will swear. Uh, Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham sent seven ewe lambs to the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they will be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called the he called the place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. And they made a covenant at Beersheba. Uh, so Abimelech rose to, with Phicol, the commander of his army, and returned to the land of the Philistines. <clears throat> and Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Okay, so let's go back and we'll go through this and hit the high points. It says, uh, starting at verse 22, it says, It came to pass at that time that Abimelech, Phicol, the commander of the army, uh, spoke uh, to Abraham, saying, uh, God is with you in all that you do. Now swear before me by God that you will not deal falsely with me and with my offspring or my posterity, but according to the kindness uh, that I have done to you, and you will do to me to the land which you have dwelt. So in in verse 22, uh, Abimelech starts the conversation that God is with you uh, in all you do, Okay. So, you know, Abimelech was in the area. He probably heard of this, uh, the, the 
promise that God made to Abraham concerning the birth of Isaac. I mean, we're talking a definite miracle. And I think he wanted to be on good terms with Abraham because Abraham's God was pretty awesome. And he may have actually heard uh, that the covenant that uh, God had made with Abraham, remember he said back in, I think, chapter uh, 12, he said that, uh, he says, I will bless those who bless you. And so maybe Abimelech wanted to get in on some of this blessing. Uh, and says, uh, so then he says in verse 23, he says, swear, by, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, uh, but according to the, and then some other stuff, and he says, but according to the kindness I have done to you. And it's kind of interesting because the word kindness and this verse here is the same word that they would use referring to the character of God. Uh, so I have a Psalm 105, uh, verse 3 here. Let's see if we get to it. Oh, I apologize for this. So basically he says in Psalm 105, he says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So the, the word that they use in, in Psalm 105, or 105, the, the word that they translate there as mercy, is actually the exact same word that gets used uh, in uh, here describing how uh, Abimelech says that uh, uh that Abraham should treat him. And then it's kind of interesting because the very next thing in verse 24, uh, what Abraham says, he doesn't, doesn't beat around the bush or anything. Uh, he says, you know, I will swear. And if if you think about Abraham's past dealings with Abimelech, uh, uh, he's, I'd say less than honorable. Okay, less than honorable was be giving Abraham a lot of slack there. As a matter of fact, this whole the ruse that 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 Sarah was his sister, they had made plans when they initially left out of Haran to say, "Hey, when we go someplace, you just tell everybody you're my sister, so they the guys won't come after me." Because I guess Rebecca was a really a real babe, you know, she was really good looking, so. So, but in this case here, though, uh, when he's uh, he's trying to make things right uh, with Abimelech, okay, uh, and I think we're seeing a change in Abraham here. Uh, so, in Second Corinthians five seventeen, it says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, old things have passed away. Behold, and all things have become new." So I think we're starting to see that in Abraham now. All right, he's he's basically realized that uh, you know 
what he does reflects on the character of God. So he doesn't make any excuses. Abimelech says, hey, you know, you should treat me with a kindness. The kind of kindness and the mercy that God shows to us, right? And uh, Abraham says, you know what? I swear. No excuses. I'm on board with that. And then, so we have the equivalent in uh, in the New Testament with 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, uh, in verse 25, then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. Uh, and then Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this thing. Uh, you did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. If If you remember back in chapter 17 when God made the covenant with with Abraham and back in the day what they would do is they would take these sheep and these oxen and they would split them in half and this is what God did with Abraham remember he said hey God can you give me some proof here that you're going to make all these promises come true he says we're going to make a covenant so he puts Abraham in a, in a deep sleep but before that Abraham had split the these animals in half and what Abraham just kind of watched, he watched was a torch, a flame going through the center of these. And normally, when two humans would make this covenant, they would both walk through the center of these animals. And the significance of that is, is they would say, if either one of us breaks this covenant, and then God would do to us what we have done to these animals here. So it was serious business. It was, it was the closest thing we have to it as a contract. But like I said before, you know, you can get a good lawyer and weasel out of a contract. This here was between these men and God. So it was serious business. So that's exactly what Abraham and Abimelech did here. So in verse 28, And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, I guess we ought to, okay, we're good. Uh, then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set by themselves? Abimelech's like, what's going on here, right? He's thinking Abraham's trying to pull a fast one. And, and he said, this is Abraham, he says, uh, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand uh, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. So I think Abraham was just trying to do a nice thing. I mean, seriously, he's trying to be a good neighbor. Verse uh, 31, it says, Therefore he called uh, that place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines uh, many days. Um, so uh, in 31, it says the two of them swore an oath there in, in the place called Beersheba. And it's really, Beersheba means the well of the sevenfold oath. And uh, so, and there's still a well there to this day in that area. 
so uh, this whole idea, you know, God doesn't just put words in the Bible for fun or to fill space. There was a, you know, a 10-page requirement for uh, Genesis chapter 21 or something like that. Everything's in there for a reason. And the thing that really kind of caught my eye, and this is, seems kind of trivial, but Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Then there he called upon the name of the Lord. So um, to plant a tree uh, actually kind of presupposed a, a constant supply of water from that well. And like I said, that well is still there to this day. And it, and it sort of showed uh, Abraham's uh, determination to stay there, okay? And uh, there's actually uh, verses in the Bible that refer to the fact that uh, if you're dwelling underneath your tree, uh, that it's a sign of peaceful security. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to, if you go out in the shade, the shade tree in your backyard and have a barbecue kind of a thing, you know. So Abraham is kind of planting roots there. Uh, it says here in Zechariah, and this is, we're picking up at the end of verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. At the end of verse 9, uh, God is doing a judgment here, and he says, and I will remove the iniquity or the wickedness of the land in, in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. So it's it's kind of like what I just said. It's, uh, it's just an indicator that, hey, things are good. People are coming over your house. You're going to have a barbecue. The tamarisk tree is kind of an interesting tree, though. And that it's uh, another name for it is a salt cedar. And so it needs uh, kind of a, uh, an alkaline soil. And so it, was an, it grew naturally there. It's kind of interesting, though, is that during, during the day, it would, it's drawing, it's grabbing salt uh, from the earth. And then it would, a little salt residue would come up on the leaves. And then during the night, if there was any kind of humidity at all, and then the dew would catch on the salt that's on the leaves. So now you have this little, uh, you've caught water on these leaves. So in the day, in the morning, uh, if you were hanging out underneath a tamarisk tree, uh, it's natural uh, air conditioning because when that water starts to evaporate off the leaves, uh, in the air conditioning world, they're saying that the leaves were going to give off their latent heat of vaporization. So it actually does an air conditioning effect. So... I mean, you, it's cool when you set in the shade, but when you set in the shade of a tamarisk tree, uh, it's like a little, like the misters at uh, Magic Mountain. If you've ever been to Magic Mountain, and, uh, you know, it's blazing hot, and they have those little misters coming out of you, and that water's evaporating off, oh, it's nice and cool. Same thing for a tamarisk tree. It's kind of an interesting tree, too, because in some places it's considered like a nuisance uh, because it grows in such, uh, it, it makes thickets, okay? And so we're going to talk about thickets a little later on, so it, it sort of uh, hooks it all together. Uh, 
all right? So it's kind of a big deal here what happened to uh, Abraham at this point in time. And as we, as we follow the story out, I think you'll see what I'm talking about. So now finally to uh, Genesis uh, 22. It said, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, uh, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you, which I shall tell you, excuse me. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, saying, My father, the lamb for the burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood uh, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. I think it was Tamaris. By its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Okay. So we've been going through the life of Abraham and uh, some people say that he was uh, in the school of faith. Uh, which is fairly accurate. And so Abraham had a few tests. Uh, And uh, we're just going to go through these. 
Uh, the first one, he had to leave his family. Remember, God told him to leave his family. Uh, didn't do good on that one. Didn't actually do it. Uh, and then there was the famine, and he went into Egypt. And here again, he didn't trust God. He just kind of went into Egypt on his own. And that's where they kind of hooked up with Hagar, and a lot of problems came out of that. So right out of the chute, Abraham's not doing that great. <clears throat> he had a big test when he uh, rescued Lot from the five kings, and he did he did good there. Uh, and then immediately after that, he was kind of faced. The king of Sodom was willing to give him, basically offer him all the worldly things that he could take. And uh, and so Abraham passed that test. And, you know, he said, you know what? I don't want anything from you because uh, I don't want anybody to say that you made Abraham great. So you started to understand that, you know, that, hey, God's got my back. So then they had the issue with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, Sarah and him decided that, hey, you know, maybe we can't wait on God for this uh, son that he promised. So they got Hagar involved, and they had this uh, had Ishmael. So not too good on that test there. And then, and then the the last one though, Hagar and Ishmael farewell. So after Isaac was born, uh, there was another big test for Abraham, and it was kind of a tough deal because you know Ishmael was we know he was. He was a teenager. He'd been living with him for a while, and it was a hard thing for him to do. Uh, but it's something that God told him, hey, you need to listen to your wife, and, uh, you know, this is the right thing to do. There's still consequences from when he way back when he went into Egypt. And so you still have to live with that stuff. And so uh, he did the right thing, but, you know, he wasn't very, uh, very happy about that. And so... You know, as we go into chapter 22, uh, we're going to uh, look at the similarities between Isaac and Christ. And there's, it's almost, it's, it's one of the most unique chapters in the whole Bible. Um, and it just never ceases to amaze me, the stuff that we're going to read, and you're going to be able to see the parallels between uh, Isaac and Jesus. So it actually, the parallel started uh, last week. Um, we, uh, we, so on your paper there, uh, yeah, there's a little, little grid, I think, that I made. The very first one, it says, uh, Isaac, uh, a miracle birth. And then there's some verses that you fill in. And the first one is uh, Isaiah uh, 7.14. And so there was, uh, I think, Isaiah, and then there was a reference to Luke. Uh, the next one is Luke 26, 1, 26 through 38. And the next one is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now, the verses in Luke and the verses in Matthew uh, actually talk about the virgin birth of Jesus, which is a miracle. I mean, the birth of Isaac, we learned last week, definitely a miracle. Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. I mean, it's just not happening. And other portions of the Bible say, you know, 
that Abraham is good as dead, right? So we're not going to we're not going to actually read the verses in Luke and Matthew though, but I put them there because I know that you want to go read those for yourself. But uh, in Isaiah seven, who prophesied that this is going to happen, so uh, he says, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. And we know that's repeated in the New Testament again too. So. You have this idea that Isaac is a miracle birth and Jesus is a miracle birth also. So uh, the next one, number two, Genesis 21.2, he says, born at a set time determined by God. And so if you, if you remember from last week, we actually read this one last week. It's Galatians 4, 4, chapter 4, verse 4. And here again, uh, when the time was right for Isaac to be born, when God determined, in other words, there's no way physically that Abraham and Sarah could ever conceive a son. At that time, they're going to get a son, and they're going to know it's from me. So... And so Paul writes in Galatians, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God set forth his son. And so there was in God's plan, overall plan of things, he said, you know what? At this point here, things are going to be pretty messed up and we're going to have Jesus come in at this time here. So, so we got those two things and we covered them uh, last week. Uh, so, and starting now uh, in 22, it says here, Now it came to pass that after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Right? And so, I mean, the obvious one here is John 3.16. Right? John 3.16, but really it's, John 3:16 and 17. I want to read both of them because everybody's heard John 3:16, I mean a million times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the next verse, 17. So it starts off with the word for, right? You remember the word for, you can when it's at the beginning of a sentence, you can insert the phrase, let me explain. Because that's really what's happening. So in verse 17, he says, let me explain. God did not send his son into the world to condemn, to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So we hear about John 3.16 all the time, but I don't think maybe we get the second part of that message out. That, you know, God didn't come here to drop the hammer on people. That's not who God is. It's just not the way God works came here to save people <clears throat> so then so then he goes on and he says uh in says he says here now take your son your only son isaac whom you love and go to the land of moriah and offer them there as a burnt offering offering on one of the mountains which i shall tell you so this moriah Okay, Moriah is, is about 50 miles from Beersheba, right? So 50 miles. So he's got to walk 50 miles 
So if you're familiar with the local freeways, if you go out 52 and you're heading towards Interstate 5, you go west on 52 and you get to the junction of 52 and 15 right there. Okay, you jump out of your car and now you walk to Temecula. Okay, so that's that's where you told him to go. So just to get an idea. The, the thing about Moriah that's very interesting is number four, it says uh, Moriah, and then it says Luke 23, 33. He says, they're the same place. Okay? So Golgotha is the Hebrew word for, uh, it means the skull. And Calvary is the Latin, like a kind of a Latin version of that Hebrew word. So when you read Golgotha or Calvary, uh, they, they're the same thing. But they're in the same geographical location, okay? All this stuff starts to give me kind of goosebumps because if you start looking at the similarities just start getting more and more and more. So Moriah, Calvary and Moriah are the same place. So Abraham, basically 2,000 years before Christ, God tells him to go to this place and sacrifice your son, okay? So in Luke twenty three thirty three it says, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, all right? Same geographical location. It's uh, like there's a, a few mountain ridges, and it, he may have been on one ridge over because they seem to think that maybe the Temple Mount, Solomon's Temple, was probably built on the place where Jesus was uh, crucified. Uh, uh, but So they think maybe where, uh, where um, Isaac went, might have been on the next ridge over. It's just so close that it's uh, it 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 defies uh, <laughs> just how could that happen two thousand years before? So uh, and then so uh, where are we at here? Okay, in 22, verse 3. Uh, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, uh, uh, said to his young men, uh, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. All right. So on the third day, see, we got that underlined. Um, in Hebrews, it says, uh, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received, had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, 
from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Okay? So what he's saying here is that when Abraham left, okay, he was down at the junction of, you know, 52 and 15. When he left there, in his mind, when he was setting out to go to Moriah, to Calvary, that Isaac was as good as dead. It's all over. He had written him off. And so when he got to that mountain, okay, and if you can imagine the terrain of, uh, if you go out here east of, of Lakeside, you know, when you get out past Alpine, you got them big rocky hills. Or even if, say, you're going north and you're going to Temecula and there's big hills and it's a rough terrain, that's the type of a mountain that they're climbing over there in Israel. It's very, very, very similar. Okay? So that's where they're going. And what the guy in Hebrews is saying is is that in number five that uh, he was resurrected on the third day figuratively. And then the verses is Hebrews uh, 11, 17 through 19. It's okay, so... Uh, Back to verse 4 again, I'll read that again. It says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So we will come back to you. So basically the resurrection is prophesied here. And we see this uh, same thing in uh, because... He's saying, remember, his, the reason he was sent there was to sacrifice his son. And he's saying, you know what? We're going to come back. So Abraham is convinced in his mind before he even gets there. Nobody had taught him about resurrection, none of this stuff. But he was convinced based on everything that God had done in his, to his life up to that point. You know what? God's got something going on here that I don't have the answer to. So in... Mark ten thirty three and 34, uh, Jesus talked to his disciples and he says, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him, scourge him, and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. So we have a picture of the, you know, 2,000 years before it happens, we have a, picture of uh, the resurrection of, of Christ. So in verse 6 it says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering uh, and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. So number 7, uh, uh, they carried the wood of the sacrifice, and it's John... Nineteen, seventeen, and we saw some of this in that video. He said in nineteen John nineteen seventeen and eighteen. He said, uh, bearing his cross, he went out of the place, went out to a place, the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. So now you've got Isaac going up the mountain, basically the same mountain that Jesus went up, Jesus carrying a cross, Isaac is carrying the wood on his back.
22.7. This is interesting here. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, the lamb for the burnt offering. It's like, it's like wait a minute. Hey, where's the lamb? We're going up here. I got the wood on my back, but we don't have the lamb. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And I'm thinking at this exchange right now, there's probably the look that goes between maybe the communication that can only happen between a father and a son just in a look. You know, I know with my kids growing up, at a certain point they'd be doing something, and I could just look at them and they would know, oh, yeah. I mean, there was a communication. And I think something like that happened right here. And he says, you know, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Isaac, you know, Isaac and Abraham look at each other, and, you know, Abraham says, God's going to provide the lamb. And I'm thinking at this point, Isaac, he's, he's a grown man at this point. Some people say he was 30, 33 years old. Uh, he is definitely strong enough to carry all the wood for this burnt offering that he was going to be the offering take a lot of wood so he knew that at that point i think he knew that he was a miracle baby and him and abraham had probably talked so i think at this point he knew exactly what was going to happen so verse 8 and abraham said my son god will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering so the two of them went together Then they, came, then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order. And, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. You know, I've got four kids, and I've got one son, and the thought of actually doing this, um, it's very, uh, very difficult. Very difficult. But uh, in on eight and nine, both of those eight is, you know, he Isaac questions his father, and then, and 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 then number nine, uh, he was obedient to the father. And the verse there is uh, Luke twenty two forty two, and. Jesus said this, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. And so it's kind of like similar to what Isaac's saying. You know, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so, you know, you've got Abraham here. He says, he says Abraham built the altar there and placed the, the wood in order, and then he bound Isaac his son, so he tied him up and laid him on the altar upon the wood. (laughs) 
it's starting at verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Now, I can see this ram stuck in, uh, you know, one of these tamarisk trees or bushes, a thicket, uh, beautiful flowers on it. But can you imagine the joy of Abraham and Isaac at this point in time? I mean, I can see Isaac go grab the this ram out of the thicket and just hug it like, oh, I'm so glad you're here, you know. And if you think about it, though, what God is showing us here is what Jesus is going to do 2,000 years from then. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect picture of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's almost like you want to, like, go hug Jesus and say thank you because in all reality he took the sins of the world away so if we got what we deserved we would be on the cross every one of us uh, so yeah the ram took Isaac's place just as Jesus has taken our place So Abraham went up and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said today, to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants uh, as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's us. Because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So, let's just look at this. I want to go back to Abraham's test. Maybe Abraham's life is a better title for that. But I just want to go through these. It says, you know, he left... He. God told him to leave his family. Didn't do so good on that. All right? And then there was a famine. You know, he went to famine. And that's where they picked up Hagar. Had problems. You know, he rescued Lot. You know, he gave his tithes to Melchizedek. Uh, and then, then the incident with Hagar and Ishmael. The birth of Isaac, which was, you know, the miracle baby. All right, and so shortly after that, uh, Hagar 
and Ishmael, he had to say goodbye. It was a tough thing for him. It was a tough test, but it was something he had to do because God had established the line to Christ was going to the line to Christ was going to come through uh, Isaac. And then the last encounter that he had with Abimelech, Abimelech, you know that was actually kind of a turning point in his life right there, because up until that point, uh, he, him and Sarah kind of had this lie that they were telling together wherever they're going. And uh, Abimelech kind of said, you know what, you know, you know, I want some assurances from you that, you know, that basically you're going to treat me with the kind of mercy that God treats you. You know, at that point, it was a turning point in his life. And I think at that point is when Abraham decided, you know what, you know, I'm all in for God right now. You know, I've, I've had a chance to kind of look at all the things that God has done in my life, you know, and he came through with Isaac like he said he was going to do. And, you know, it's a it's a turning point. Uh, and he says, this is it. And, and I think that prepared him uh, for the next thing that was going to come, which is when God would tell him, hey, I want you to go sacrifice your only son, this miracle baby that I gave you. And I think that this these turning points, it's not unique to Abraham. I don't think that God put this whole story in here just to tell us the life of Abraham, okay? I think he's put us in there that we can see that, you know what? God has been, he's been hanging tight with Abraham from the very beginning. I mean, we're talking, I mean, Abraham's well over 100 years old. It started when he was 75. So it hasn't been a quick, you know, flip the switch and all of a sudden Abraham is a righteous guy. It's been a process, but God has been with him this whole time. But I think it's at this point that Abraham makes up his mind. You know what? Uh, you know what? I believe that God is God, and he's going to do everything he said he's going to do based on what he's already done. And I think that happens to all of us at some point where we kind of have to make that decision. You know what? Am I all in for God? Right? I mean, it's one thing to come to church every week or come to Bible study, but in your heart of hearts, have you made up your mind for God? You know what I mean? I mean, really made the commitment. And I think that's what happened here. And we saw the beginning of it in this encounter that he had with Abimelech. Because what he did is we saw complete 100% trust in God. There's no other place in the Bible where they talk about resurrection. I mean, this is something that Abraham just said, you know what? Hey, if God has me kill Isaac and then he's got to have a way to bring him back to life because he promised me that I'm going to have all these descendants you know as many as the stars in the sky as many as the sand on the seashore at that point I mean that's now hey when it said Abraham believed God and God accounted to him as righteousness Abraham believed God but it doesn't play out to the very end of his life here he's totally trusting in him so what's that got to do with us you know, really, I mean, Abraham, I mean, he's, it's, he's been having this relationship with God, I'm saying, for at least 35, 40 years now. I think that, I don't think, I know that God had a plan for Abraham's life from the very beginning, from the very beginning. So when he 
told Abraham to leave his family, he knew, you know what? He's probably not going to do it. And he didn't, you know? And he's going to not believe that I'm going to take care of him. He's going to go into Egypt. He's going to do all that stuff. It's kind of like the same sorts of things that we would do. That we just can see it. It's Abraham's life is laid bare before us here. But I know he has a plan because the Bible tells me he has a plan. This is one of my favorite verses. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay? That's what God has for all of us. We see it played out in the life of Abraham, but he's got that for us. So maybe tonight's the night where you reach that turning point that Abraham did. Huh? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for your word and uh, this, just for the life of Abraham that we can see how you were faithful to him uh, from the very beginning and you saw it through to the very end. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, we have a great God like you that we know that the Bible says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can count on these things for us also. Just thank you and pray that we would uh, remember this as we live our lives. Uh, just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.